With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to a live podcast that was done at the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame weekend in Waterloo, Iowa. A couple of notes on all of the guests. The first guest is B. Brian Blair from the Killer Bees. He needs no explanation. Next was going to be both Wes and Jerry Briscoe, but sadly Jerry had COVID and was unable to come to the weekend and the festivities. James Beard is a longtime referee from World Class, amongst other stints. And our last guest was Rock Riddle, who was literally a monster of a guest the best possible way. Rock was kind of a journeyman who started doing acting in L.A. and is just a straight-up gimmick. Maybe Luke Gallows in 35 years. So Rock went off on such a tangent about who knows what that I did do some editing on this episode. For the sake of a good flow to a good live podcast, I did trim some stories down, including one from Brian Blair and most of Rock Riddle. So if you would like to hear those, they will be up separately on my Patreon. And at $5 a month, you get two bonus episodes of Wrestling Anonymous, ad-free shows, and bonus stuff. And this will count as the bonus stuff. All right, before I start the show, Edinburgh, Scotland. I'm doing my show at the Fringe for only three days, me and John Hastings. So if you know anyone in or around Scotland, send them to the Fringe to watch us do comedy and commentary to bad wrestling matches it's only 10 pounds, tinyurl.com slash edfringewrestling, and I'm sure I'll put up an Art of Wrestling episode after the Fringe, and I'm sure a lot of the Fringe stuff will go up on my Patreon. Last but not least, before we jump into this live show from Waterloo, Iowa, today's podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, and again, this is the catchphrase they actually want me to say. It's written down on the notes and everything. It's Smooth Sack Summer. Manscaped is the leader in below-the-belt grooming, and they want you to have a ball this summer. Dive head first into Smooth Sack Summer by going to Manscaped for 20% off and free shipping with the code COLT. As a wrestler, I've said it before, I was taught to Manscaped very early in my life. You go into these locker rooms, and it's part of wrestling culture. They're talking about drinking beer, making money, and shaving your whole body. Manscaped did send me their performance package 4.0, and I do use it. I get my chest, I get my armpits, I get my neck, and I get the downstairs area. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code COLT at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code COLT at manscaped.com. And make sure you have, say it with me, a smooth sack summer. Manscaped. This is the Art of Wrestling with professional wrestler Colt Cabana. It's Colt Cabana. Thank you. All right. 
right. How you guys doing? Come on in. Sit down. Relax. You're about to listen to The Art of Wrestling, a professional wrestling podcast. It's a life podcast. It's a personal journal. It's an entryway into the minds, the souls, the hearts, and the lives of the people involved in the world of professional wrestling. I am your host. My name is Colt Cabana. Hello. I am a podcaster, I'm an actor, I'm a traveler, I'm a conference goer, I'm a Hall of Famer enjoyer, most importantly though, I am a professional wrestler, and we are not coming to you live from my studio, pretty good, in Chicago, Illinois, but we are here live at the National Wrestling Hall of Fame weekend here in Waterloo, Iowa, in front of a live studio audience. Before we go any further, this is a fan support and listener supported podcast supported by people just like you. We give it to you on some Thursdays. It has slowed down at this point, but when we put it out, we give it to you free of charge. Uh, the best ways that you could support rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. Tell a friend, tweet it out, use social media. ColtMerch.com is where you can buy the official wares and tears of Colt Cabana. I don't know what tears means, but maybe I'm selling lotto tickets at this point. Why not, right? Uh, that's where you could buy t shirts, pictures, buttons used wrestling gear, whatever you need, coltmerch.com. And then, of course, uh, tonight, during the show, uh, coltmerch.table will be available, and that's where you can come see me and pick some of the stuff up. Uh, best way to support, though, is on my Patreon, patreon.com slash coltcabana, and that's where you can get ad-free archives of the show since 2010, over 500 episodes of The Art of Wrestling, plus so many other goodies and I appreciate you over there. We do have some fun guests set for tonight slash today. It is 3.30 in the afternoon. But I did want to chat with you, everybody, for a little bit. It's great to have a crowd here. Uh, by a round of applause, how many of you have been here to this uh, weekend of the National Wrestling Hall of Fame? All right. And uh, who's a firstie? All right. Uh, great to have you here. One of the exciting things about this is not only the uh, Hall of Fame itself, the inductees and the whole ceremony, not only the actual wrestling show that's put on or the podcast that Colt's doing here, but is the actual museum itself, which is uh, one of the most fun things to see is to see uh, amateur wrestling, but also see the, the past of professional wrestling. And every year I go there and every year I have questions and I'm going to propose to you all of the unanswered questions that I have from roaming around the actual museum. Again, by another round of applause, who, who checked out the museum this weekend? Okay, so I checked it out a little bit before I came here, and uh, these were some of my questions. I'm not, maybe some of you all had the same questions, and you can either uh, find me afterwards and give me the answer, or we can wonder about it together. So my first question was, I saw Thunderbolt Patterson, who is uh, here this weekend. He had donated a pair of boots, a pair of trunks, and then I don't know if anybody saw that airbrush t-shirt that he had in there. And I, my, my question is, like, what flea market did he buy that airbrushing at? I mean, that was straight from the mall or the flea market. Stuff we don't think about. We see them on TV and it looks cool, but the reality is, is like, our grandma has the same one and someone's doing that airbrushing and they don't even know it's for Thunderbolt. And he's like, can you put Thunderbolt and like cool airbrush on this t-shirt? And someone's just like, yeah, of course, ten, anything for 10 bucks. And next thing you know, now it's in a Hall of Fame. So I'm just a big fan of, air, of airbrushing. The next one was, was uh, Jesse the Body Ventura. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll 
stop myself, Jesse the Governor Ventura. Did you see that? That's the political sign that he had, which I think is a, maybe either maybe a new addition this year, which was so cool. It was Jesse for gov for governor, and it doesn't even it just says Jesse, and I love that everybody in Minnesota knows exactly who that is. Uh, but what I don't think anyone ever talks about was it was Jesse Ventura and May Skunk was his running partner, and so obviously my question is who the fuck is May Skunk? Does she believe in aliens like Jesse does? And did she run on the same ticket? These are questions I had. They were unanswered. Uh, I just would, you know, I want to, I want to know who this lady is. It's, it's pretty impressive. Uh, actually, I, I did have a, an, a question answered. The Luthez ring robe is in the, the National Wrestling Hall of Fame Museum. And that's such an iconic ring robe. It's so cool. I think about pictures of him wrestling in Japan. Uh, with Carl Gotch, like tagged with Gotch, and just um, and just legendary NWA matches, and I wanted to know if there was anything in his front pocket because um, I'm nosy, and uh, it wasn't behind a shield, and uh, the answer is no, there's nothing in his front pocket. So, the the, the fourth question I had, uh, a lot of you saw Mr. Perfect singlet there, the iconic baby blue with the black triangle on the front. My question forever has been, and then I tried to find out the answer there and I wasn't able to find it, was is there like a thinner piece of fabric around his crotch? Because as a kid, I could always just see his penis poking through and uh, I couldn't get to it. I wanted to know. It was always, him and Jimmy Snooker were always had a little turtle head pointing at me as a child. It was very weird. It wasn't there. No one answered the question. So please, if you know, let me know. And last but not least, I would like to know uh, how many ladies from Flirt Gentlemen's Club have made their way over to the National Wrestling Hall of Fame. For those of you who are not here, every year we all pull up to the National Wrestling Hall of Fame and right next to it is a gentleman's club which has been there for a long, long time. I am honestly intrigued because I know the conversations in a wrestling locker room. Like what are the conversations in the gentleman's club uh, locker room for the ladies? Do they talk about wrestling? Do they know anything about wrestler? Like what if there's one that's like so into amateur wrestling and like can't believe Dan Gable is over there signing autographs and she can't wait to get off the stage and go, these are just my questions. They really fill up my mind, but uh, they're unanswered. I appreciate you. Maybe if you have them later and I appreciate everybody. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperice.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go 
to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. My first guest, please welcome to the show, B. Brian Blair. So entertaining, brother. You are entertaining. Well, you've, that's... Got, you've got an inquisitive mind. <laughs> Does he not have an inquisitive mind? Come on, audience, give him a hand. Cole Cabana, the man. These were all questions we were all asking ourselves. I just have the heart to put it out there and wonder. It was beautiful. Uh, great to have you on here. Thanks so much. You've, you've been involved. You've been involved, and maybe we could talk about this right away. You've been involved in stuff... I mean, as long I feel as long as I've been coming here, you've been coming here. Also, such you play such a part in the Cauliflower Alley Club. Uh, is it important to you, or where does your important lie to kind of? I, I guess we would call this kind of like making sure the history is still alive and making sure that I guess the brother and sisterhood is still there. Does that play importance to you? And is that stuff you thought about as a younger wrestler, looking at the older wrestlers uh, when you were in the ring? Let me start with the last part first. Um, I always had respect. Buddy Colt and Eddie Graham and Jack Briscoe, they taught me that you have respect for everybody. Yes, sir, no, sir. When you had to pay trans, you don't, they don't ask you for your trans. We used to have to pay five cents a mile trans. You know, we'd get in a car, you drive 400 miles, you pay your 40 bucks. For it. And, Can uh, I stop you there? Yeah. Who's, who's doing the math being like, uh, Brian, you owe this or? No, you would you would automatically know if you went from Tampa to Jacksonville uh, that that was 200 miles each way. We had established miles. Okay. If you went to Tallahassee, that was uh, 375. So that was heavy trans. You know, sometimes I don't have a calculator with me, but if you're only making $75 or $100, I don't think Eddie ever paid anybody less than 100 bucks. But there were there were guys before me that went there for a lot less. And, uh, of course, we made a lot more. Uh, respect and the Cauliflower Alley Club ties into the National Wrestling Hall of Fame because we help people that have... Uh, the Cauliflower Alley Club helps people <laughs> from the wrestling industry. I don't care if you were an announcer. If you, whatever you did, as long as you made a living in the pro wrestling industry and contributed uh, full-time, then uh, we reach out and we help these people. We've saved people's houses. We've saved, kept them from having liens on their lives, basically. Mm. And uh, it's been a great thing. But through all this, you learn that if we don't preserve all these things and these people that have, you know, the Mr. Wonderful Paul Warndorfs, you know, we were just <clears throat> talking about, um, you know, at least Thunderbolt's still with us, but we were talking about Kurt Henning. These people contributed so much to where we're at right now. We're all, we're all together, and we want to preserve all this history. And um, that's really why, why I'm here, why I, we support this as a whole, as, a, as one 501c3 to another. We just want to make sure that uh, we're successful together because we're like uh, brother and sister uh, organizations, if you will. Uh, okay, so I'm going to touch a little bit on, you said five, so that's what stuck with me was five cents a, a mile. Uh, everybody's paying their own trans. Now, wrestling has tra transitioned all over, you know, over the years, right? It gets to the, it gets, five dollars for a hundred miles. Well, it gets to the point now where, like, some of us, like, part of our deal is we want this amount, we want trans, we want our trans paid for. So my guess would be, like, 
you know, you hear the stories that Vince would pay your one-way ticket on an airplane. Mm -hmm. um, was there a point where people were getting all of their trans paid for? Were the top guys getting their trans paid for? Was this something you guys would talk about? Well, I'm talking, to Colt, I'm talking about in the territories. <clears throat> I understand. Yeah, uh, but then, but actually, Vince Sr. was a territory, of course, but and they paid trans in those territories, too. But uh, then when we became a, like a, a world organization, when I went there, um, I first, uh, let's see, when uh, I think it was 1985 when uh, the Killer Bees were born. I was there before and I worked for his dad. But, uh, and we paid trans like up until that point. And at that point, we became so national that um, Vince paid for all of our flights. But then once we got somewhere, we were on our own. Let's talk a little bit about the Killer Bees. My favorite, see that's the generation we talked about a little today. I'm, I'm from Chicago, the Rosemont Horizon. Definitely the first show I went to, headlined by uh, Piper and Hogan. You guys were on the card 100%. I, th I think it's been documented that Hulk Hogan had the idea to put you guys together, you and, and Jim Bronzel. You can correct me if I'm, in, uh, if I'm incorrect. No, you're right. Uh, can you tell me about the relationship with Hulk Hogan and then the relationship uh, coming together with the Killer Bees? Were you for it? Were you against it? Were you cool? Like, did you enjoy the ride? Oh, I totally enjoyed the ride. I enjoyed the ride as much through the territories. I wish I could really explain that because I lived half my career through the territories and the other half propelling to what you guys watch today. You know, the WrestleMania through the, I was there right before one. So you just, you can relate in time. Then we were on two, three, four, and right before five, I gave my notice. But the times that we had and even the times after that, because I wrestled for so many years after that. What about you and Hulk? Wonderful times. Terry is a, you know, ever since uh, we used to get pound, pounded and pounded in the dungeon, Hiro Matsuda and uh, Gordon Nelson, and even Bob Backlund would come in, and uh, he wasn't really a hooker, but he was a good shooter. But we were constantly getting stretched and beat up, and um, out of three summers, that I trained uh, in the dungeon where Matsuda runs the, you know, the shots. Only three people made it. And that was first Mr. Wonderful Paul Lorndorf, who turned out to be one of my very, very best friends. Then uh, I started, but I trained with Terry for six weeks in the dungeon. And then he had his first match with me. And um, it was great. The, everything was a rib, too. It's always a rib. There's always a joke. Everything, you know, they changed the time limit. And You were Hulk it, Hogan's first match? Yes. Okay. What was he wrestling as? <laughs> the Super Destroyer. Okay. Yes. And? It was in Chiefland, Florida. How many people? 1977. Uh, I was at Chiefland High School. I would say there was probably uh, 300 people. Okay. And do you say to yourself, this, I mean, no one's going to say this guy's going to be the the next biggest thing in professional wrestling. Was there any inkling of that? Well, I used to sneak in the bar to watch him play. He played in a band um, called Ruckus. And there's a place called the OP of uh, the other place. And when I was 17 years old, I'd sneak into the bar and I'd watch Terry play the, I mean, he was just like a freak show. He had his, you know, his mama's lipstick and his, her jewelry on and, uh, you know, it was like six foot seven, sun tan, plus another, you know, three and a half inches with the platform heels on, long blonde hair hanging on that base, and, you know, a great band. It was a sight to see. And I got kind of, uh, then I saw him in the armory 
where we'd go on Tuesday nights to really watch all the action. You know, Dusty Rhodes and uh, uh, Pandemonium and no, Eddie Graham and um, uh, Jack Briscoe and Buddy Colt and gosh, so many, uh, Playboy Gary Hart, all these cool, cool, cool stars, you know, um, Joe LaDuke, all these guys that um, were a lot of fun. Lots of trips with Don Morocco. Anyway, so good times. So when you're doing the territories and for the third time you're going to come and wrestle for the WWF, yep. is it Hulk Hogan saying, hey, I, I want Vince for you to come in. I, I, I think I could tag. You know, is he playing the role of promoter there for him to tag with Brunzel or they yeah. had Brunzel? Well, well, so this is how it happened. Um, the Florida tape goes into New York. So I was a Florida champion. Uh, the first time I was a Florida heavyweight champion, NWA, Florida heavyweight champion, <clears throat> and the Southern heavyweight champion. I went, I left Florida and went to New York. I think that was 1984. And uh, right before WrestleMania won, had some tremendous matches with Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff <coughs> that really, really impressed Junior. And um, from there, uh, Senior liked it too. They both liked me and I was gonna come back and work for the Intercontinental title, but I had to go back to Florida. Went back to Florida, uh, won the uh, uh, Florida heavyweight title, uh, worked with Flair and you know, had some really fun times. But um, Hogan called me up and said, because uh, Vince stole Hogan from Vern, and this is the raiding period, you know, WrestleMania 1 starts, where all the territories are getting, he slowly picks the territories and raids the top guys. Mm -hmm. So I went from being the main event, like from for championship wrestling from Florida, CWF, to coming down and um, with uh, Vince and being two weeks later on a card <laughs> on, in another building in the same town. And that's how he manipulated and got the talent, paid the talent more and controlled the world. You and Jim. And Jim, Killer bees. Uh, I mean, Hogan put us together because uh, they worked together in AWA for Vern and Jim was a natural tag team. Uh, him and Greg Gagne were AWA tag team champions uh, several times for quite a while. And I heard that, you know, Jimmy had a reputation of being a gentleman and a mm -hmm. nice guy. And I didn't never, had never met him in my life, so they uh, introduced us in Brantford, Ontario, Canada, and uh, 1985. And <clears throat> we meet, da da da, talking. Uh, there's a lot of people around, you know, all kinds of characters. George the Animal, Steel Snook, uh, I mean, uh, tons and tons of people. Uh, Papo's over here. Um, but uh, George Scott comes up to us. Uh, after, he had already introduced us, and he said, listen, we need a name now for you guys. Wow, here we are, Brantford, Ontario, trying to meet each other. Um, so much going through our minds. Now we got to think of a name. I wish he would have told us, you know, <laughs> you know, a little bit sooner. It would have been easier. So think of something. Think of something. You guys are on in one hour. We, so we had one hour, Colt, to come up with a name. True story. That's wild. And we're kind of thinking, thinking, thinking. And I, um, we're think, I'm thinking bees, bees, Blair, Brunzel, Blair, Brunzel, the killer bees. And, oh, yeah. Because I love the Miami Dolphins. That's why it pops in my mind. I said, hey, you remember the Miami? Now I'm speaking out loud. My mind stops like yours likes to wander. My, <laughs> my wandering mind stops, and I step into reality. And I said, um, do you guys remember the uh, 82 Dolphins, the uh, 
Baumgartner and uh, all the guys, Bonacani, the, the linebackers, five of them all were with bees. Uh, well, they were the killer bees, and that stuck with me all these years. And if that's that, if it sticks with me that long, I, I think Blair and Brunzel, the killer bees. Uh, Jimmy goes, that's awesome, man. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Hey, wow, that's fantastic. And George Scott comes by, and everybody's listening. And I, I said, George, how about the killer bees? And he kind of smiles, and he goes, killer bees, killer bees, killer bees. I'll be back in uh, as quick as I can. I got to go ask Vince. And uh, so we. Uh, you know, kibitz, everybody's kibitzing a little bit, doing their thing. Uh, <laughs> a lot of characters now in that room. Brant Brantford TV, so you got to imagine. Uh, Jesse the body, you know, just the cast goes on. In comes George with a big smile on his face. He said, hey, you guys are now the killer bees. And he's excited about it. And so I'm excited about it. All right, the killer bees. And Brunzi's excited. And Lanny Poffo is extremely excited. And he has a bag, like a hockey bag. And he reaches down and he pulls out a pair of bumblebee tights. Come on. The same ones we wore. So Lanny Poffo actually had those in the bag his bag before we wore them. Are you, were you like, why do you have these, Lanny? What's the story? He had more gimmicks than anybody I'd seen in my life. He could be a knight. He could be an elf. He could be whatever he wanted to be. He the poet. Like, you know, he had, yeah. he had all the gimmicks. And if Vince needs a bee, I'll be a bee. No problem. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah. You got it, brother. And, uh, you know, that's, that's the deal. He's, I mean, it was such a fun marketing gimmick of my childhood that it's so fun to hear that story you know come about yeah at one, at one time and i actually have a book that, that just recently came out called uh, truth be told it was number one truth uh, be told yeah truth b-e-e -E, told available on amazon for everything that i've touched on with colt in these few short wonderful minutes which i truly appreciate of course and then i appreciate the listeners and everybody here um it's got everybody, the cast of where we all came from and experiences that nobody's ever seen or heard before and pictures and photos. And, and it's, a, it's an amazing piece of art because of Ian Douglas, my co-author. He's, he's wonderful. Brian Blair, everybody. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. God bless. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at Hyperice.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. 
Got your happy price, price line. Uh, what Brian doesn't know is that when I was in the WWE, uh, along with uh, my, my next guest, actually, I'm going to bring up my next guest, uh, I, had, I had to uh, canvas the town to get signatures for him uh, as he was running for the Hills, Hillsborough County, Hillsborough, what was it? Me and uh, Evan Bourne got, went, went to Publix and got signatures for you, for, for your campaign, yes. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> happy to do it, happy to do it. What was it, Hillsbury County? Hillsbury County Commission, District 6, Countywide. BOCC, all right. Okay, I'm, actually, I'm going I'm to bring in my next guest, so uh, I don't know if he has any memories of this, this, but it'll be fun to talk about. Please welcome to the stage, Wes Briscoe. Hi, buddy. What's up, guys? How you guys doing? Do you remember that? When Brian would come to the, to the school at Florida Championship Wrestling. Yup. 2.0, sorry. And uh, what, I, what I want to talk about, too, is uh, one day I was doing, uh, I was in Puerto Rico, and you were talking about raining, and I was working for Carlos Colon, and there was a crazy downpour, and I'm like, um, are we going to start wrestling? Of course, Carlos is like, yep, boys, you go out there. And I'm like, what? So I go out there, and I start slipping, falling. I'm like, the canvas is so slick. I didn't know what to do. So I come back, and I'm like, man, it was the worst match of my life. I call my dad. I'm like, dad, they made me wrestle in the rain. Like, what do I do? And he goes, dummy, you take your boots off. I wish I would have called him a little bit yeah. earlier and got that information. That but... makes so much sense. Yeah, because I never wrestled in the rain. I didn't right. know. But Everybody's Jimmy Snuka tonight. Yeah, exactly. Gonna, yeah. But I, it was funny that you mentioned that because I actually had that same experience in Puerto Rico and wrestling in the rain. You don't want to ruin your boots. Yeah, exactly. Now your boots are ruined. Oh, yeah, you can't wow. ruin the boots. Who'd have thunk your dad knows the answer to these wrestling questions? I know. Man, <laughs> I wish I would have called him a little bit earlier. Yeah. Oh, that's, wow. Well, uh, did you make it, did you have arthroscopic surgery uh, Three, three days before that? No, I did not, okay. but I probably needed it after. Right, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> um, good to have you on here. Uh, I, I'm still wanting to know, do you remember when Brian came to the, would come to the school? Yes, I also remember when Brian used to come to my house with his Harley that was all killer beat out. Yes. And uh, I, I remember those good old days of him pulling up in the Harley and... Nice, nice. Yeah, they they would always come. I remember um, there had been so many times where wrestlers would come in the middle of the night and kick me out of my bed. <laughs> and I'd be like, really? And my dad, like, uh, um, I forgot the, um, which one was it? Um, Ron Bass. Well, he's kicked me out of the bed. <laughs> but the biggest guy was um, um guy with the, the, uh, the, oh man, Not I'm giving trying, me a lot of clues here. I'm trying to figure it out. I think um, I can get it. What what are those old school the ro the Road Warriors? No, the Blackjacks. Uh, no, Blackjack. He kicked me out of the bed before too. But uh, at, this all of a sudden sounds very weirdly sexual now. <laughs> no, no I, I was a little kid. I was a little kid. They, they come home and instead of the boys getting the hotel, my dad was like, "Hey, come crash at the house." Yeah. And of course, I would have to leave the bed. Of course, but. You know, but it's been so many times the wrestlers coming by and stopping by. And, I and what just, would you do? You would go on the couch or 
Yeah, I would get forced to go to the couch or you know, the dog kennel, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so what was, was your house... Uh, so at that time, let's say if you were what? One of those memories, 10 years old or whatever? Yeah, I was like probably 10. Yeah, right, right. Like how, uh, where was your dad in, in his career that wrestlers were coming over? I think, Do you well, remember? I think at that period of the time, that was when he was controlling like backstage and like, I'm trying to remember, but I'm thinking that was when he was more of Vince's right-hand man and like kind of, so the guys would stop and he's like, you know, you guys don't need to get hotels, come stay at the house, right. you know, come crash. But at that period of his time, I think that was when he was more of Vince's right-hand man. It was before the Stooges. It was kind of in that period when I was still a really little kid. Like mm -hmm. that Do you have memories of your dad actually wrestling or had he retired by the time you were figured? I have... I never got to actually see him, which, you know, caused a lot of tr well, trouble in high school. I never, in middle school, I never saw, like, I saw my dad's tapes of him being, like, a badass and him being, you know, tag team champions and, you know, all the stuff that he did. And then by the time I got to, like, sixth to seventh grade, he was doing the Stooges thing. So I got picked on a lot. Come like, on. Like, I didn't understand wrestling. I didn't understand what my dad was doing because I, I was at the age that I was like 13, maybe like 12. So people would make fun of me, and I like to fight, so I don't care. Like, you know, you know my dad's my hero. You know, make fun of him because he's wearing a dress and doing that. I'll punch you in your face. Like, so these, these people at your school weren't like, your dad, it's so cool. that Was anyone else's father on television every yeah, week? Yeah, but my dad was, the way he was portrayed. I don't care. Listen, I know, but I'm, I'm a kid. Listen, though. I'm going to get <laughs> I was a kid. I didn't know. And yeah. then eventually I realized. But you would think that the other kids would know. No. They took everyone, it the other way. Yeah, they took it the other way where I got bullied. Mm -hmm. I got harassed. And then, like, it, I, sometimes they'd be like, your dad's wearing makeup on TV. Like, I really would get bullied and harassed in school. And, like, you know, I got in a lot of trouble. I got kicked out of school for fighting because I, like, my dad's my hero. And people are, like, making fun of me and, like, just, you know, bullying me. And I, like, didn't, you know, I always, I understand bullying. And I, that's why when people, I love shows, I say, man, stick up for each other. You guys, like, everybody needs a friend. Everyone needs somebody to stand beside you. And, you know, like, bullying is not, not right. And, you know. I felt that myself, and you know, luckily I can fight. So, <laughs> <laughs> what, what were the conversations? Would you go like? Would you have like a heart-to-heart -heart kind of like kid and, and parents situation of like, I'm getting bullied? Would your dad be like, yeah, give him a chicken wing? Um, my, my dad's like, did you win the fight? Yeah. And I said, yeah. He goes, okay, let's go get ice cream. Is that right? Yeah. Wow. So even even so, if you would ever if you would get in fights, which you seem to have a lot as a child. Uh, your dad was o okay with it as long as I wasn't as long as, won. as long as I wasn't the person that was egging it on. As long as I'm not the bullying, but I, my dad didn't want some people just to step on me and mm -hmm. and you know push me to a corner where you know I'm not gonna back out. Yeah. You know, and like I never picked on no one. I never was if I was gonna fight someone it was because either I saw someone getting picked on and I stood up for that person, or it was because the, I felt that they were really hurting me and like I had nothing else to do like I had to yeah had to fight back was your house a wrestling house and meaning like I know you said like people would come and kick you out of bed but like 
I don't know. Like, so I was on, I was on the show, The Young Rock. Maybe you've heard of it. And um, you know, you, like, I, and then I, you start like seeing like these scenes of like The Rock and his family, and then Chavo is there, and then he, you know, I, I'm podcasting with him, and he's telling me about how his household is one of these just like we're all barbecuing and, and there's just wrestlers all over the place all the time. Is that kind of, did you feel that or did you feel something different? Like, or was that not necessarily the case? Yeah, that was the case. But when, when it came down to it, dad never put it on TV. Dad was never like, we're going to sit down and watch it. It was like family time. I meant like wrestlers being over at your place. Oh yeah. All the time. That's what oh, I mean. Yeah. Oh my God. Jack used to have, my uncle Jack used to have crazy parties <laughs> where they're like, God knows who knows what was happening there. And then I went on Hogan's, uh, one of his crazy parties where he rented out this huge like casino boat and like one level was kids level, one <laughs> level was family level and the other level, I don't know. I was too young to even see what that level was all about. I don't even know if I wanted to see what that level was all about. Yeah. But, you know, it's kind of funny. I grew up always in that realm of like, I remember... Andre the Giant putting me in his hand and just lifting me up. I remember seeing The Undertaker eat uh, 11 cheeseburgers. <laughs> and I was like, I was blown away. I, I was like, he's going to eat 11 cheeseburgers? As a rib or like no, he was he hungry? No, he really did. He was hungry? Yeah, because like, so back in the, the day when they would come to Tampa. They'd have cheeseburger um, eating contests? <laughs> no, I would, uh, I would uh, be like a little, my dad would bring me to the show and I would, you know, get the wrestlers whatever they wanted from catering. I would kind of be like, oh, give me some, give me Coke or whatever, and I'd go, what? Get them some, no, not that type. <laughs> no. Uh, no, 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 that type. Oh, Pepsi. Thank so, you. So, so, you know, they say, hey, like, go give, yeah. As an 11-year-old, you know, I'm slinging Coke in and out of, you know, <laughs> WWE, you know, that's how I made the money. Come on now. Uh, you think I got this gold chain? Yeah, there you, you go. Know? But no, uh, they would send me out to get like Pepsi, coffee, or you know, stuff for catering, and I just would be a you know, runaround boy, and then Vince would give me like 50 bucks and be like, oh, here you go. You know, so I would just hear stuff of like, you know, oh, Taker would be like, oh, go get me 11 cheeseburgers. I'm like, whoa, dude, this guy's gonna eat 11 cheeseburgers. <laughs> but then, you know, he's also six foot nine or seven foot. So. Sure. I'm sure you could eat they, a lot of cheeseburgers. They fit somewhere in yeah. that body, yeah. Yeah, for me, yeah. a little boy, I'm like, I love cheeseburgers, man. Like, that would last me a long time. <laughs> um, so when we first met was at in Florida Championship Wrestling under the WWE developmental yeah. system. And at that time, like, the word on you was you were, like, this unbelievable wakeboarder? Yeah. Right? Yeah. I, yeah. Was, I was in the X Games, and uh, I was a professional wakeboarder for a good amount of of my life. I turned pro at 17 and was able to be blessed to travel around the world. And so tell me a little bit about the pressure or no pressure of like, you know, like being the son of this, you know, unbelievable champion. And then like from an outsider's perspective, I see it like, Oh, like maybe he's trying to carve his own path, but then it's like, there is an in, or I don't know, you know, like, I don't, tell me what your thoughts and, and how, how it works. To be honest with you, you, you hit it right <laughs> on the head. I was trying to create my own path. I was trying to be West Briscoe. I wasn't trying to be, you know, the son of Jerry Briscoe, you know, Jack Briscoe. Like, I was, I was trying to create my own identity. And I, luckily, I found wakeboarding and surfing, and that brought me a, a way to sh show myself and kind of create my own path. But wrestling was always in my blood, in my life. I, always, I have always loved it. It's always been a passion. But there was a one time that I was just like, I kind of have to separate myself, and I have to create my own path and my own destiny and just 
try things out. And of course, wrestling always brought me back because, you know, wrestling is one of the greatest things in the world. And um, it was just a crazy experience, but it came in all in full circle. So. And, and you, where, where was the X Games at that you went to? Uh, which X Games? I've done two of them. One was in California. I don't know where the other one was. Um, I've done so many contests and, and tours. The, and then and the decision of like, because, I mean, I don't know if you're starting from scratch because you, I'm sure, wrestled with your, your dad and your uncle. But, you know, you were like, okay, I'm going to give this a go when you were signed with the WWE. Mm -hmm. Like, tell me about that decision. Well, before, right out of high school, I trained with Steve Kern and, and Eddie Graham and a couple other guys, Eddie Guerrero, too. Um, I trained with them right out of high school. And I... <laughs> My dad knew I wanted to create my own path. I was so much stuck in being in a shadow of my dad and my uncle that there was time that I got to kind of fill my own shoes. And, you know, and that's when I was just like, you know what, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to, I'm going to give it everything I got. And my dad supported me. He was like, you know what? And then I got to the point where I couldn't compete with the younger kids. I got to the point where these guys are doing triple and double flips, and I've already had two knee surgeries. So I started sitting back, and then I went and saw my Uncle Jack, and I talked to him, and he was like, boy, you should get in that ring. And I kind of went into there. And then, of course, when I went to FCW, I kind of got bullied there, too. I mean, a lot of the guys there were like, hey, you're just here because of your dad. You're not, you know what I mean? But I was there because I wanted it. I believed in it, and I love it. And that's why I'm still here today. I have not quit wrestling. I've been at every show. I give my heart out every time I step in that ring. And I'm not just here to live off my dad's name. I'm here to make my own name. Give it up for that, for sure. Um... And then something earlier you said was, uh, there's always something fascinating about Puerto Rico. I mean, Brian talked about, you know, where, you know, Brody was killed. Um, but there's so much, like, obviously, so that part of the history. But you, did you live on the island? Yeah, right? I lived there for a year. For I did a year. the full year, the whole, it was crazy. Yeah, tell And then, well, sorry, I didn't No, tell me it. about, yeah, tell me about that, like, experience and what it was like. Yeah, it was like, right when I got released from WWE, I was like, I didn't want to give up, you know. I was like, okay, like, well, because in that system, sorry to cut you off, but it's just like, you're, you might not be wrestling every day, but you're at wrestling practice. You're like, you're enthralled in that industry, and then once it gets cut off, it's like, do I go to practice tomorrow? No, I'm not welcome it's there so anymore, weird, right? right? It's so the weirdest it, feeling. It can, it's it's very hard mentally, and I have said, and I. And this is a, just a different tangent that I, I think part of the release from the WWE developmental system should be uh, like a mental health check because, you know, like you, you need that. It, it's so hard. You need, to, you need mental, like everyone's going to have the, that bit of depression or whatever it is to kind of slide yourself out of going away from your dream job. And not only that, it's the structure, the knowing that you got a place and knowing that you have, you know, somewhere to be and that, you know, like that was the hardest thing is when that all got taken away. And of course, I was tag team champions at the time and was about to debut on Raw with Xavier Woods and I blew my knee out. Mm -hmm. And right when I got cleared to go back, I got fired. <laughs> There were so many questions of like, what did I do wrong? I would, you guys were just about to send me and Xavier and put us on TV and have us like go interrupt this pay-per-view, do this. We were on four loops. Like it was already in the night before that we were supposed to leave for the loop and I had to, we had to drop the title. I ended up blowing my knee. Right when I came back, they were like, sorry, 
Yeah. We ain't got nothing for you. Well, it's, so a tale as old as time, yeah, I feel. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And, it's nice that you can still, and, and by going to Puerto Rico, you're back at every, every yeah, day. Yeah, but it took a while. Like, it, it took a while to get there. I had to ask, I had to ask my dad. I had to ask other people. And I was like, I got to, like, because I was depressed. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what route to go. I didn't know, you know, you're so stuck in the structure where, you know, your check comes every Tuesday. You got to be here. You got to work out. I mean, it's awesome. Like, it's the best job in the world because you get tr paid to do what you love. And then it gets taken away and you got to start over. And then I worked at it and I, luckily Carlos gave me a chance. And then at first I was living in an apartment with one bed with three guys. Mm. It was rough. And then eventually I worked my way up where I had my own apartment. I was doing good. I had my own car. You know, like once you work your way up as a wrestler in Puerto Rico, you get more status. You get better rooms, you know. Of course, you, yeah. You move up. And it was a good experience because I got to learn different styles of wrestling. And then I did Puerto Rico. Then I went to London for a while and wrestled in Europe. And then went back to Puerto Rico. And then that's when I got signed with TNA. And then that's when the Aces and Eights and all that mm -hmm. stuff started. A nice little transition back into the yeah, wrestling. and I felt like I really needed it as a as like a lot of wrestlers. If you grow up in the WWE system, sometimes you're kind of stuck in their ways. It's good to get out and learn different styles of wrestling and working different people. So it was it was kind of a blessing that I got released because I was able to work all these other countries and learn different styles of wrestling and be able to create my own style of wrestling and not be able you know, just be programmed as a WWE wrestler. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Wes Briscoe, everybody. Hey. Well, thanks for having me, Cole. Thanks, I buddy. appreciate it. Hell yeah. Appreciate it. Oh. All right. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. Ch -ch -ch -chumba. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Ch -ch -ch -chumba. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, I'm going to welcome my next guest to the ring, referee aficionado James Beard, everybody. Hey man, getting a good feel for it? Oh yeah, yeah. You're this. You're a natural at this, man. I mean, yeah. I like talking about wrestling. Yeah, I think you. I think you found <laughs> your your spot here. Well, hopefully, yeah, yeah. it's good and stuff. It, no one could fire it, fire me from it, and make me move to Puerto Rico. So <laughs> <laughs> I got that going. For That'll me. be interesting. <laughs> um, 
first of all, I think it's nice um, as a referee that, well, I don't know. There's two different schools of thoughts of it. A lot of people want to say the referee never wants to be, should never be seen from or heard from, right? Right. Uh, but then it's nice also like finally have like recognition and be known as this like Hall of Fame or referee. I've been really blessed yeah. in, in that, you know, and, and it's not really something I thought about when I first started doing it. I was just happy to be in the ring, you know, like, like a lot of guys. Um, I was very lucky. Uh, I got to uh, work in a pretty high-profile place in Dallas, and, and, and then I ended up in Japan and, and got that experience. And it's just, uh, you know, something you don't plan. It just happens. And, and then after, I guess if you stay around long enough, people start recognizing sure. a little bit. You know, and got to do a few things other than just referee, you know, working behind the scenes and that kind of thing. And that, that helped. But, uh, yeah, it's, 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 I feel really blessed that, that uh, some recognition has come in the last few years, there especially. Yeah. Who, who were some of the people that you remember used the referee uh, the best? I don't know if you've had any examples. Uh, you know, I was really fortunate in Dallas, a lot of them did. Uh, and, 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 of course, that was a different situation in those, in, the, in those days. It was, it was all about work. I mean, all about creating the match as you go. And, and in that situation, uh, I was... Meaning nothing was mapped out, really, before. Nothing except maybe a spot or a finish. Yeah. And, and, uh, and, and in that situation, it, it really helped that I understood psychology and, and, and what they were trying to accomplish, and, and I could help them get to that point. And, and if I could do that, that was my goal, always to make the match a little bit better. And, 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 and I was very involved in, in, those, in those situations, and, and just about everybody back in those days, work matches that way. So, so I could say just about everybody I worked with was like that. So nobody, when you think back... Oh, I mean, you know, guys, the guys like, you know, like Al Perez and, and uh, um, Johnny Mantell, Black Bart, all those guys from the Dallas area that I got to work with over and over and over again um, that really understood, they could work with anybody. They could get in the ring with anybody without saying a word and just have a good match. Okay. And, and, uh, and those guys were always enjoyable to be in the ring with. And, and you know, Lynn Denton, the, the grappler, uh, I could go on and on and on, but, but they're just really technically sound. And it's always fun to be in, in the ring with guys like that. Would you, would you, when you look back at your career, like in your head is like, is world class, like was that your memory of like, this is when I was deep in wrestling, when I was... I, I, you know, it was my home territory, of course. I, I grew up watching the Dallas promotions from a kid. You know, I remember I, we lived about 90 miles from Dallas and, and uh, I, we were... We we were sometimes we could see the see the TV pretty well. It had an antenna, you know, it'd be grainy. And yeah. the, and my folks actually took me to the sportatorium the first time when I was about eight or nine years old. And um, I, I saw Bull Curry and Red Bastine and Danny McShane, you know, guys that I'd seen on TV, but obviously never seen in person and, and bigger than life, you know. And and uh, um, it was so that was my home. That was my home base. Was really fortunate that later on I got to got to know some of those guys. You got to work with some of them. Like Red, Red was a dear friend, and uh, um, and I think. But I think the thing that really made my career is when is the Japanese thing. When I got went over there, it it changed everything for me. If you're a full time, were you full time referee with World Class traveling the circuit? Yeah, later on, I, I kind of came in there a little bit later. Okay. Yeah. Like, are the how do you be a full time referee? And I'm assuming not making a full-time wage as a referee. It, it was tough. <laughs> it right? was tough. Yeah, you, know, like you hear about the wrestlers on yeah. the bottom of the card being like, I'm barely making yeah. whatever. But I imagine, it, are you doing, are you working, 
are most of those referees working within the office? Are they doing stuff? Yeah, usually doing other things. Yeah, helping other things. Within I, within the actual wrestling promotion, not like another side job. Or do they do the yeah, yeah, job? Yeah, sometimes it is. Sometimes some guys had had other jobs too. And know? how do you have other jobs when doing a full time loop? Yeah, it's like tough. honestly, like, oh, you what? couldn't do that and go on the loop. You have to, right. you have to be paid. Yeah, and and you just live pretty sparingly for a while, you know. And it it, it, it was it would be rough a few times, you know. Okay, but uh, I, I was really fortunate. I, I didn't. I got into it, and and uh, I was playing music actually when I got into the business. And so I I, I was kind of doing both for a while. I was kind of dabbling in this and, and doing this, and and um, uh, the the. There was a point to where it just got, got to a point to where you got to make a decision, do one or the other, and and, and I was fortunate that um, I guess they liked me well enough to at least make me enough to make I could I could live on it for a while, right. and and uh, and then I got the deal in Japan, and that changed everything. Okay, yeah. and now when you talk about the deal in Japan, yeah, I, I, you were part of the SWS Super yeah. Show, is that correct? Yeah. What does that move on to? Uh, they they had a, a, a lot of pol politics involved in this, but uh, uh, SWS ended up splitting because of uh, some infighting with the upper end, and, and I ended up going with uh, uh, NOW, which was uh, Kendo Nagasaki Sakurata. I'm, I'm sure you probably knew mm -hmm. him. Um, he was a good friend. He's the guy that took me over there the first time, and, and uh, when when they split, he asked me to go with him. And and uh, when he did that, it. it um, he kind of put me in charge of booking guys and, and booking uh, a lot of a lot of the booking in the matches and that kind of thing. So it was a, it was a good situation for me. So I mean, you know, logistically, I'm always thinking like it'd be hard to bring over a referee to Japan, yeah. full time, yeah, or on a, or on a full time touring schedule, or whatever. Yeah, the, the the first time I went over, I, I, they they were having their grand opening. SWS was, and uh, I, I thought you know, he, Sakurada asked me to go and and. I thought it was just a one-time, one-shot deal. Yeah. Uh, that one, they had two shots uh, in Yokohama, and about seventeen thousand people both nights. It was pretty cool, and had their big grand opening, and it was, it was a real big production and everything, and and things went really well. And I went to get my payoff that night, and uh, Kabuki, who was one of the bookers, handed me my money, and he said, "You come back next month," and. Uh, I came back the next month. The first first half of the tour was uh, just Japanese guys and myself, and I stayed in, and worked in the training center, and um, which that was another thing. It gave, it gave me that's the first time I really started working with training guys. Yeah, and um, and then I stayed over for the next tour, and that's how it worked. I'd go and and, and do a tour, work in the training center, and then do another tour and then come home and go back and do that again. And you, and you were a part, so you were part of that WWF versus SWF, like this yeah. show? Yeah. Can you take us through some memories of that? Was that like, was that like, Cho no. It was at, uh, at the Tokyo Dome. At the, at the Tokyo Dome. Yeah. I'm trying to think of the matches. I don't know. Well, it, it was crazy. Yeah, Hogan and, I, can't, I get them mixed up now. Hogan and, and Tenyu and they ended up, I think, on the winner had a return or something. They may have even tagged together. I don't remember, but um, yeah, the thing I remember about it is, uh, um, uh, Earthquake and and uh, they had a they had a guy. Oh, the shoot fight! Yes. Holy shit! So yes. for those who don't know, I can't think of his name. I don't know if you uh, know. Uh, uh, no, what was it? He was a, a sumo champion. I yeah. Yeah. No, it wasn't. Granted, it was another. It was a Japanese. Rather, yeah. it was John Tenta. Koji Katao, thank that's you very much. Yeah. Why not ask the room of wrestling fans? Yeah, yeah, yeah why not? Yeah, they, <laughs> they, they remember things we don't yeah. remember. Yeah. And they, bo it's they both are. 
I don't know the exact heat, but they both are like sumo wrestlers, yeah. and they both don't want to sell for each other, and there's like like 40,000 people, yeah. and they don't, like, you, like, they do eight minutes of like, well, if I shoot, if I go for the shoot, I might lose, so I don't want to like, I want to hit shoot on this guy, but I don't want to lose in front yeah. of him. And it's one of the most interesting, it's very much like Great Antonio and, and, and Antonio Noki, where it's just this wild thing that happened. And you were there for that. Yeah, the heat was in the office. Uh, it was with, um, what's his name? Koji Kata. Yeah, that, yeah. He, he, uh, uh, he had been brought in, you know, after he was a sumo champion, and, and uh, they were trying, I think he'd worked some in maybe, maybe, uh, his promotion or somewhere before trained a little and uh tenu had brought him in he wanted to make a big deal out of him and and uh kind of the drift i got while i was there is, is he wouldn't show up at the training center and one wasn't training the way they wanted him to and, and, and you're hearing all of this firsthand from Earthquake, too? Is he like... No, not from Earthquake. This is coming from the Japanese guys. Okay, yeah, but you're not like... Yeah, I mean, no, as an I'm, American, being able to speak English with Earthquake, yeah, too... Yeah, because I'm, I'm in the training center every day, so okay. I didn't even see the guy. He may be coming there once or twice, okay. you know, and, and I could hear all the rumbling and everything, and, of course, I knew uh, Tenyu and, and Kabuki and those guys, and they were the upper echelon mm -hmm. of the company, and, and, and Sakurata, too, mm -hmm. and they weren't happy with him, and... Uh, uh, the the drift I got was that uh, the thing with, with earthquake is, is he was kind of kind of uh, told to make it rough on him. Okay. And uh, and that's why how that started. Yeah. Yeah. And then what was the aftermath? Like, were you in the locker room for this uh, stuff? Yeah. Uh, he he got mad and he jumped out of the ring and took off and just left. Just left. Yeah. Okay. And then what did earthquake vent to you afterwards or anything? Uh, not to me, okay. but yeah. To, to, uh, <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, it, it, it was there was a little little excitement in the dressing room for a yeah, while. Yeah, I'd imagine. One of the most yeah. interesting things. Um, this is always, I always find it interesting. Like, when, when do you realize, like, well, I, I can't, the, the refereeing and all this stuff has to kind of slow down for me and I might have to hit into real life? <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, I, I'm kind of, I'm kind of at that stage now. I, I feel like, you know, I, that I was saying that uh, I can, I'm still as good as I once right. as I, I ever was, but uh, <laughs> maybe once, that's it, you know, yeah. that kind of deal. You get to that point, you know. And I, I, did, I was always interested in, in the creative side of things and, and booking and, and helping and training and that kind of thing. So that's something that's kind of carried me this far. You know, cool. I, I continue to be involved in that, and, it, and it's satisfying for me. And then tell me your favorite Von Erich memory. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> uh, you know, it's kind of weird. There's so many of them because I knew Kerry uh, was a good friend, okay. a really dear friend. Um, I don't know if this would be a favorite memory or not, but it's one that stands out for me. And it was in Japan, too. He was working with WWF at the time. And they were on a tour over there because I, we were working with them. They would come over and we'd do tours with them. And uh, we went out one night, um, myself with Kerry and uh, Rick Martell, Sean, Sean Michaels. Uh, may have been somebody else, I don't remember. But anyway, we'd gone out and had a pretty big time. And we came back to the hotel and, and Kerry said, let's go downstairs and I want, I want some." something to eat, you know, some, it was late and they were about to close and all they had was pie. So he ordered a whole pie, yeah. a big something. And I said, Kerry, I don't, you know. So I sat there with him for a while and I said, I got to go to bed, man. He said, no, I said, you know. Finally, I got up and left and the next morning, John calls me and he says, have you seen Kerry? I'm going like, no, oh, man, I, don't, I saw him last night. He went to bed, I guess. We got to looking for him. He was out in the hall, leaning up against the door, asleep. It didn't get into his room. He was laying <laughs> like this. 
you know, yeah. <laughs> and he, he was just, you know, he said, oh, I couldn't find my key, so I just went to sleep, and, and then later on, he, he told me, he said, uh, he said, yeah, I had my key, but I got to thinking about David in his room when he died, and oh, I couldn't, wow. I couldn't go in there, you wow. know, and that kind of a morbid memory, but that's, that's deep, yeah, yeah. That's wild. yeah, and it sticks with you, yeah, that's definitely something that would stick Absolutely, with me, yeah, yeah, very interesting, all right, James Beard, everybody, thank you, guys. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Last but not least, I'm excited to uh, bring in the main event of the show. Dressed to the nines. Please give it up for Hollywood Rock Riddle. Uh-oh, uh-oh. He's breaking format. Breaking format. I notice and I will tell you this, sir. For those that, of you at home, Rock Riddle is now in the crowd. He refuses to come sit next to me. Go on. Well, it's, it's a traumatic thing if I come sit next to you as the, and I just did a count, as the 517 people who are in the audience. And those are 517 who stayed in the audience. Yes. No one walked out. The reason they didn't, because they saw that Rock Riddle was still here and there was still a chance for them to be able to experience this amazing man second. in person. How, how could these 517 people see all the way through that door to the luxurious green room where I have caviar and sushi waiting for you? I mean, I guess maybe they heard you uh, bragging about all the wonderful, luxurious items that are back there. I don't brag about anything. And the reason that I hesitated to come out here and sit back down next to you okay. was because this is something that has never been done before. A podcast? No. Actually, you, you, I think you, those have been done before. You putting yourself over? <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I have never put myself over before. Sitting down next to you for the first time publicly, I think everyone should, oh my gosh, the people who are listening, they're missing out, but everyone here in person, the 517 people, mm. look at this, two 
of the handsomest, mm. most talented people mm. on the planet together in the same spot. I don't even know if these people can handle this. They all live, live vicariously through people like you and I. That's true. Now, Rock, the yes. original Rock. And, and the original, see, we, we can say this since uh, Brian is out of the room. Go on, go on. Shh. It was his very good friend, so the original Mr. Wonderful on professional that's right. wrestling. That's right. So here he is, direct from his palatial estate, high in the hills of Hollywood, California. The first, the only, the original, Mr. Wonderful of professional wrestling, the diamond ring and Lamborghini man, the man who possesses the body that men fear and women love, the intercontinental lover, the Rolls Royce of wrestling, Rock Riddle. Wow. Justin so just Roberts flashbacks I was having right there. You well, are. see, you did a great job of introducing me, but I thought I could do an even better job. Because as much as you love and admire me, love in a masculine way, of course. No, nope. sexually also. Oh, you... <laughs> you are the first man in my life who ever found me attractive. Nope. No gay guys ever found me attractive. I missed out. And now you find me attractive. I want to see if we can end this podcast right now. Come back to my suite. I've got like half of a room on the eighth floor. Mm -hmm. They gave me this. It's, got, it's amazing. And you and I can sit down and talk about that. Yeah, I'd hit it for sure. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. Unbelievable. Rock, uh, let's talk a little bit about professional wrestling. First of all, were you a little upset? Well, tell me about, like, honestly, I know you're a gimmick, but... Uh, were you upset, A, when Mr. Wonderful Paul Hardiff made it, made it on television with Mr. Wonderful, and B, when The Rock pronounced himself as The Rock? Okay. Uh, first Here we of all, go. my understanding is that Paul Orndorff was a, a very nice person. The wrestler, instead of showing you a lot of the, the person here, who has that character, if you will, so close to the skin and it wants to come out, and I can just feel it and see, and we can start talking about how ugly the fans are and all the Wait! I have to be me. Okay, so the reality is, I wish he had come to me and said, Rock, you're not real active in the business at that particular point. I'd like to sort of use that gimmick. What do you think? Most likely, I would have said, yeah, go ahead. Is this The Rock or, or Paul Orndorff? Paul Orndorff. Okay. But he never did that. I don't know. It may have been my very good, dearly departed friend, Mr. Roddy Piper. It may have been Roddy Piper who suggested it to him. I never asked Roddy, but Roddy may have said, hey, look, Rock is sort of going into semi-retirement a little bit. And little did he know I would make such an amazing comeback. He, he was using this gimmick. He has this great gimmick, this Mr. Wonderful gimmick. Why don't we use that? And what about I don't know what, what I can say. But, what okay. I was at an event in Las Vegas. Atta, Atta Johnson, who is The Rock's mom, she had just finished an interview with someone amazing, not on your level of amazement, Obviously. but someone amazing in some, I think it was a national television interview. But she had just finished up. Yeah, you're international. He, this was only national. I'm, I'm internet-ational. Oh, that too. Oh. So Atta was in... My friend Atta had just finished this 
national, not international. Great edit point, by the way. Go on. <laughs> had just finished this interview. When I walked in, I, I heard the last thing she was saying in, about her son. And I said, you know, I was the rock before the rock was the rock. I was rock before Rocky was Rocky, but... And of course, I was the... And she said, stop. She looked at the cinematographer, the videographer. She said, roll your cameras. She says, we need this on video. We need to record this. I want to record this and send a copy to my son. So I started the whole thing even going further in there, talking about sort of putting down her son a bit and how he's attempting to copy me, the real original rock, the original Mr. Wonderful. Look at the imposters out there, those who attempt to be me, and they never will be. Anyway, we did a little bit like that. And she said, Rock Riddle, you are atrocious. My son Rock is the only real true rock. And I said, come over and stand next to me when you say that. And he said, look over here. Cheat the camera, as they say. Put your arm around me. Okay, zoom in on this face. Dwayne, your mom and I are running away together. I, uh... Did you ever work with Rocky Johnson? I did not. Okay. I worked with his father. And when I was very, very young, when I was brand new, and of course I started as a teenager in professional wrestling, as did you, right? Yeah. You were, what, 17? 18. Uh, you waited until you were 18. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's okay. You, you've done well. I got 516 people to come watch a podcast. When I, when I was in my early, early professional days, I was working for Roy Shire and in San Francisco, obviously, great guy. Roy would fly me in and out. He liked me. And he said, come on up. I want you to be under a mask, under a hood, as is the inside terminology in this business. So that's why I'm not going to share that information with any of you fans. But if there are actual real wrestlers out there. So I'm in the dressing room with Peter Maivia, who is Dwayne's grandfather. He was just, he was past time to retire, but he was close to actual retirement from the professional wrestling business. So when he came into the dressing room, I had the mask on. And I said, hey, you, you. Yeah, you, old time guy. I beat your butt in Moxie Cali. I would go out here and beat you up again. And you were 17? Because you're old and you passed. I was probably 18. Wow. Okay, go on. I'm going to take you out there and beat you from, poor, from corner to corner. And you're going to like it because you're in there with someone who's much better than you. Just like in Mexicali when I beat you. I continued doing this. He continues getting really angry. He's to the point that he's standing up, moving in my direction, and I ended it by saying, you don't have no idea with whom you're dealing. Watch this. I took the mask off, and then he saw it was me, so it was okay. <laughs> well, well, so you it was a, funny. You had a relationship with him beforehand, though. Yes, I, okay. he, he knew who I was. Okay, okay. But he did not recognize me under <laughs> okay, the mask. Okay, that's good. Yes. Track riddle, everybody.
Appreciate you. Thanks, son. It was a lot of fun. Ladies and gentlemen, this has uh, been The Art of Wrestling. Thank you so much for being here. We are in front of a live studio audience here in Waterloo, Iowa. Hey, before we get out of here, I am going to go back to my studio apartment right now so I can do some plugs and... Upcoming events! All right, welcome back to the studio apartment. My Patreon, patreon.com slash... Colt Cabanas, where you can listen to ad-free archives of almost all 500 episodes of The Art of Wrestling, ad-free archives of Wrestling Anonymous, and new bonus Wrestling Anonymous episodes just for the Patreon twice a month, plus Rock Riddle and Brian Blair going off on some stories. I do have different tiers. I can also send you a vinyl sticker every month, and I can also handwrite you an envelope and give you a little fun nickname. You can check out older episodes of Wrestling Anonymous and Pro Wrestling Fringe up for free wherever you get podcasts. Grab some merch at coltmerch.com. Brand new Upper Deck signed cards. A brand new comic signed by me and Daniel Warren Johnson. I got new autographed pictures, stickers, micro brawlers, the usual stuff. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube are all at Colt Cabana. I'm on Twitch, playing games all the time. Twitch.tv slash Colt Cabana. That's free to watch if you just want to hang out. ColtWrestling at gmail.com is my very public email. That's where you can hit me up for shows, conventions, any business or non-business stuff. Or send me something fun to my P.O. box, which can be found on my website, ColtCommanda.com. Upcoming events, August 9th through the 21st at the Monkey Barrel in Edinburgh, Scotland. Come see me and John Hastings at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. Saturday, September 3rd, I'm going to be in Mesa, Arizona for Party Hard Wrestling's final show. September 10th, I'll be at the Mall of America for First Wrestling Saturday Nitro. October 1st, 1PW in Doncaster, England at the Doncaster Dome. Team Shag is making a comeback. Also, I got shows coming up in New York, Chicago, Baltimore, and more. Stay updated on the socials and my website. Podcast cover art and design is by Jimmy Lee and photo by James Musselwhite. Thank you to my forever sponsor, OneHourTees.com. They help run ProWrestlingTees.com. That's where you can buy all of my shirts and cameo-style video messages called Shoots right over at ProWrestlingTees.com slash Cabana. That's it for the plugs and the upcoming events. I'm going to send you back to the live show, and we'll finish this thing off. Feel free to skip the ads at the end. And we're back. Hello. Those, everyone really enjoyed those plugs and upcoming events. Thanks, everybody, for supporting me. We appreciate it. But I do want to thank the National Wrestling Hall of Fame, which happens every single year, usually the end of July here in Waterloo, Iowa. It's always a great crowd. There's great legends that come here. I think it's like an unsung hero of the professional wrestling world, maybe because it's Midwest, and Midwest just doesn't get the love that we deserve. But uh, it is a great thing that happens. And also, the National Wrestling Hall of Fame is open 24 24- Seven, I believe if anyone ever wants to go there they'll make sure it's open you can see the museum if you ever go through water Waterloo Iowa please come and visit but definitely make a weekend of it next year uh, I do want to thank the uh, the National Wrestling Hall of Fame and IPW and Troy and everybody for setting this up uh, I do want to thank my guests uh, give please give a round of applause for B. Brian Blair Wes Briscoe James Beard and Rock Riddle there he is <laughs> Thanks, everybody. This has been the Art of Wrestling for Colt Cabana. I'm Colt Cabana. Thanks. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. Thank you so much for coming. We're going to do a fun little podcast here. Before, uh, this, is not, this is being recorded. It's putting on, being put on the internet, so don't th- say anything stupid, Rock. <laughs> With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> Enter other things also. Ooh, look at the minds of these people out here. They're laughing at things there where they should not be laughing. They're giving away their secrets, just like you gave away yours. But thank you for finding me attractive. You you're, got it. Yeah, yeah. You're not bad looking, I guess, for a guy. I mean, you're not my type because you're not female. But uh, I don't know. You know, all all women are trouble, right? Uh, I won't co-sign off of that, but you're welcome to say it. Well, wait a minute. There's no place for females what in is professional wrestling. Right Isn't that what you said? What are you trying to do to me? The Rock trying to get me canceled on my own show. 